Okay. Welcome to the second episode of Let Me Moderate That Caucus with Tandelay and Sonia Taher. Okay, before we start, I, um, I'd love to get into this, but before we start, I think we have to apologize for a few things. Um, I, I think we, our, our audience, our audience of seven listeners deserves an apology for what we put them through with this last episode. Uh, our audio was terrible and you know what, that's, that's on us. We, we were just not prepared for how two mics would pick up each other's audios and overlap in a way that would absolutely destroy your eardrums. So you're lucky we didn't put you through that. Um, and so we just put you through one person's mic, which was me being extremely loud because I apparently decided that holding the mic in my hand and just like waving it around would be a good idea. Um, and Tanner just too soft. And uh, we also told you the wrong date multiple times. Uh, that, that part's totally on me. But uh, we apologize. And ideally, this episode will be better. Yeah, it will be. And speaking of the unwritten, as you've heard, we're going to be talking about media literacy. Because y'all don't know how to pick up on things that are not written down. Y'all don't know subtext. Y'all don't know literary devices. Y'all don't know nothing. There is no reading between the lines going on in this generation. Okay. (laughs) So the topic being media literacy. And this is all because of one Tumblr post in which a Tumblr poster said that, what did they say again? Oh yeah, they said that not everything means something and that sometimes the curtains are just blue because their English teacher was like, why are the curtains blue? And I'm like, first of all, do your homework there's usually a reason that things are there. And yeah, maybe the author doesn't mean it, but the the media, once the author publishes it, no longer belongs to the author, it belongs to the reader. So yeah. There's a hot take. Let's let's have that hot take. Okay. Do you want me to expand on that? I, okay. I don't know if I totally agree with that because it's still the author's intellectual and creative property. Yeah, but I feel like they are no longer, they relinquish that and they allow it into the world. Yeah, they own it technically, but people are going to make interpretations. People are going to do that. None of those interpretations are technically wrong unless they go against any canon. But you, but as the author, you cannot simply say something is canon or not canon. You can add it into other works that are sequels or you, it's not technically there. That's fair. I think you, okay. I I understand what you mean in terms that people will have whatever interpretations they have and that's not for you as the author to decide yes or no, they're right. But I think that they're usually with work. There's a main theme you're supposed to take away, right? Like if the the character's eating spaghetti for lunch, that's maybe not as symbolic as the fact that he's he's eating spaghetti for lunch at the bottom of his sunken ship in- uh, He's eating spaghetti because that's what his ma would make because they grew up in Italy. And like now he's at the bottom of the Mediterranean, which is like- Oh my god. Okay. His ma. Hi. His grandmama. You need to stop. Hold on. Obviously, obviously, sometimes foodstuffs and things will have um, actual importance and symbolism, but I think it's also important for us as readers or as media consumers, that's the word I'm looking for, um, to actually be able to, to, to see to differentiate what is important and what is symbolic and what is, you know, specific to the theme that the author is trying to portray and what is just, oh, I felt like her name was going to be Rhonda today. So that's Rhonda. And um, 
people walk down the street. So that's why I included it in the book. And we eat spaghetti for lunch in my house. So that's what we're doing here. And I don't oh, know God. if we're doing video portions, but I'm holding something up to the screen. It is my hands oh, in a gun formation because I wanted to bring up my man Anton Chekhov and his gun stating that everything has to be crucial or it gets cut out which is something that a lot of publishers follow because if something is not crucial to the plot of the book then it will inevitably be cut out and necessary details like saying oh yes there was blue curtains unless it means something it'll likely be like oh yeah we don't need to talk about the curtains especially in modern literature where like people just can't like publish 20 pages about oh yes the meal that we ate was so good like yeah <laughs> 18th century authors will go on forever about some brand of thing but modern authors stop doing that and I feel like that kind of started in the 19th century when you kind of had to have a publisher to make your book big okay agreed to a certain extent but there are parts of the story that you need in a book in order to make your world feel lived in, right? Especially if you're writing mm -hmm. a fantasy book, you need that aspect of what clothing are they wearing and what yeah. Food so then are they that eating. means something. That means but it's something not to necessarily right. Absolutely, absolutely, but it's not necessarily like symbolic to the main themes of the book, right? That like the true. fact that he's wearing gray may not necessarily reflect the fact that he's really depressed even though he might be at the moment it just may be like what they wear because we're living in 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 divergent at the moment and that's yeah, what so, they happen to wear so that's still symbolism it symbolizes the poverty that they're stricken with that they can't Agreed, afford dying but it doesn't symbolize the fact that he's depressed like that's not a connection that's you true. can make you but you it is a connection you can make of arguing as like the idea of fallacy like you can make that connection and be like oh yeah he's also he's wearing this but he's also depressed so there's that connection so what Tam's just trying to say is that do whatever you want um media literacy is dead make whatever connection you want and not don't whatever. care i feel like don't as care long as... whether it applies to the story or no, not there's something that you learn when you do a social sciences course is that it's not about concrete answers it's about argument if you can argue behind a point and have it be a solid concrete argument then you can make that justified and yeah that's the point for most of the social sciences like history and stuff like that like if you can argue that this could have been a reason that someone did it then no one can tell you that you're wrong it's on the basis of your argument unless you make something that's so outlandish that you can't possibly argue that's technically true, but we understand that there is like things that are better to argue and things that are less better to argue. That is true. That is true. There we go. That is true. Okay, shall we end the podcast here? I think we all agree. No, uh, okay. no, because I wanted to bring something else up. So you know the movie Encanto by Disney. I about do. I Columbia. do. Columbia. We and... don't talk about Bruno. No accents, racist. And uh, there wasn't even an accent when you said that. Um, so you're just being racist for racism's <laughs> sake. But there's a lot of uh, white people. What? You cannot call me racist on a public platform. This is not okay. <sighs> I would like to inform all my viewers that I am only racist towards Indians, which is who I am. So that's totally okay. Uh, but, you also um, hate Bangladesh and Pakistan. So that's not me. That's just the environment in which this poor soul grew up in. Okay, blame, blaming her time, I guess. Okay, let's get back to my main point about Encanto. So there's a lot of Western, usually white people, making connections that kind of deter away from the main representation of the point. What are your opinions mm -hmm. on that? 
Um, I will admit I haven't gone too deep into this oh. Encanto fandom. Oh, so just well. uh, give me an example. I'm all over TikTok and everything is there. So there's people who think that Camilo is um, non-binary or gender fluid because he transforms into people of different genders and stuff like that. And then we also have the theory that Luisa is transgender. And we have the theory that Isabella is a lesbian. And there's okay. all that kind of stuff. And it's a lot. I think if you're going to go back to your main point um, of how, you know, once the media is released, there's mm-hmm. no real holdover that the creators have, right? Then in that, in the face of that argument, it's totally fine that they're saying these things, right? And on the other side, I think that especially for those communities, there's not a lot of representation. And yeah, I can agree I like that. The, I feel like the main thing about Encanto was that it wasn't made for these white communities. Um, it wasn't made for these white Western communities. Agreed, made... but if okay. but if that's something they're able to take from it, who are we to deny that from them, right? Because the Colombian and the the representation is still there regardless of what else people are taking from it, right? This is true, but I also feel like it's worth noting the kind of uh, arguments that they are making are very fragile. They're very yeah. house of cards. They're, They're usually fragile in these situations, right? I know, like, a lot of the theories that people have about Disney things are very fragile. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and like, I feel like the Louisa one is a bit misogynistic. Okay, that's, yeah, I can see To assume that, that just because she's strong that she must be genetically male. Because she's not as feminine as her sisters. She's but she is like, feminine. somehow. She likes unicorns. She likes no no no. she's feminine she just doesn't like display it in the way that maybe Isabella does right yes that is true this is true we don't talk about Bruno no 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 (laughs) look Uh, my sister fell down a rabbit hole of Encanto songs the moment I introduced this to her and it is and now what she's playing is either Taylor Swift um the 10 minute all too well or Encanto, we don't talk about Bruno. So it's been a fun trip in my home. Also, I have to say something that no one else has mentioned about that song. When Camilo is like, Isabella, your boyfriend's here. Like the, the change in his voice, no one ever mentions it, but it always just stands out to me. Oh, I know. Like I mean, when his I, voice, I like, his, he rolls his R's, which is a Colombian thing, but I don't know. It's just, I always like that part. It's very, it's very nice. It, like, he it shifts it. the tone of the song. Really I know. Honestly, I think. Uh-huh. No one mentioned it. I honestly, that song was really. It's a great song. Like, yeah, I don't know anything about crafting music, but I, in just the way that they're like able to put all those different voices and vocal situations together. Yeah, that song really connected a bunch of scenes that had very different vibes from like the like wedding day, and then it was like Dolores whispering, and then it went mm-hmm. to like the vill- the townspeople. And obviously Camilla doing the seven foot frame and stuff like that. That was really good, well written and well composed. Yeah, and I think if we want to go back to our whole media literacy thing, um, we can infer that even though they're so different from all each other, like this family is so incredibly different from each other and they have such different personalities and different talents and different um, hobbies and, and enjoyments, they can still come together and harmonize really well when they need to. 
Okay, that was a really weak connection to the How main is that plot. A weak connection? I don't know. What does them having being a family have to do with media literacy? Wow. I, I meant that the fact that I'm inferring is the media li- Don't put me down. This I will like- put you down because I want to mention the thing that brought this to Encanto TikTok. It's a mess. It's a mess of people. It's the descendant of Tumblr. It is the true heir. The heavenly mandate has spoken. It is freaking TikTok being unable to understand the meanings of literature, of not even just literature, like literally that Death Note TikTok where that person's like light. People don't realize that Light is the villain. I'm like, did we watch the same show? Light is the villain. He was written to be the villain. Just because he's the protagonist doesn't mean he's not the villain. The protagonist isn't always the good guy. He is literally the villain. He's killing like 20 people a day and more even. He's killing a person every minute. And people are like, he's the villain. I'm like, yeah, you think? That was written very clearly. That was the point. Oh my God. I think... Um... Yeah, TikTok is God's way of telling us that he's given up on us. I think if we, like we can pick any part of TikTok, the part where like people exploit children and babies for for money, the part where like we've got the alpha males being like, don't chase women, don't text women, don't don't like be nice to women. If you put women down, they come to you like that. That is a whole mess. I've been watching a lot of videos on that recently. Um <laughs> Like any part of TikTok, you want to go to the comedy that's not funny. The oh, I like the comedy. Uh, mm. You know the rap video where Brittany Broski is doing a rat lesson. Oh my god! <laughs> no, because she's like a rat, she's the rat teacher, and she's showing the students like uh, on like a, a laptop screen where it's like a picture of cheese, and the students are like, "Good, good, good." And then it's like a grape, and they're like, "Yeah, grapes, good." And then she shows like a rat trap. And one of the students is like, good, because there's cheese on the rat trap. <laughs> it's, it's really funny to me because it makes like next to no I, sense. I think your humor is a little bit broken. Oh, yeah, it definitely it. is. It's, it's very Despicable Me vibes, but that's fine. No, because it's so funny that like the rat is like, and then the entire class is like, yeah, there's cheese. But the teacher's like, no, it's a trap. It's going to kill you. And they're like, cheese can't kill you. And I'm like, that's really telling something. That is <laughs> telling something about the school system. That is social commentary right it is so- there. Everything is social commentary. You could make the argument that it is. Oh, God, let's not do that. Um, no, I, I the fact that, like, TikTok was the birthplace of Bridgerton the musical and Ratatouille the musical. Oh, like, Ratatouille the musical slapped. Things. Ratatouille the musical we, slapped. I, okay, Ratatouille, I can see why it's a good movie. I don't see why it became a cult classic the way it did. Like, I don't get that. It was so good. I agree. It was really good for like a first time or maybe second time viewing, but I'm not going to like, I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it again the way I would like say Megamind. Megamind was a fantastic movie. I don't see how we're putting the two on the I same I don't know why you're, why you're pinning two bad bitches against each other. That's just rude. No, no. Megamind is the bad bitch. Um, Ratatouille but, is amazing. It's an idea. It's also a fairly well executed idea, but it is batshit insane. Yeah, um, obviously. So is Megamind. Why would they Megamind let Megamind is less batshit insane? Why would they let the prisoners of- raise a child? <laughs> what? What? Like warden is like? Because oh, it's they a found blue the- child. Because they don't see blue children. I still children. feel like the government would have the government would have taken that child away to Area Fifty One. Oh yeah, because the government was executing its job oh so well in that city. 
Yeah, that's what I was so confused. Like the warden of that prison is just like, oh, they found a baby. I guess we let them raise it. Like, what the? It's how they get their community points so they can be let out a little bit early. Raising a child, no. Yeah, you give a child good values. Guess what happens? They didn't give the now a contributing member. They didn't give the child good values. They taught the child people. Ended up a better person than literally anybody else in that movie. Yeah, he did, but not because of the way they raised him. They raised him to be evil. They gave him the foundation to see the good in all things. No, they didn't. They gave him the foundation to be stealing from people. I advocate stealing from people when you're blue. That's true. I also do. There we go. <laughs> but that's not the lesson we should be teaching our children. We don't have any children. A batch by we, I mean the society in which we live. Oh. Well, we're teaching our children way worse things than the fact that blue people stealing is okay. If 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 kids think that Smurfs can steal, we're we're okay. We're okay. No. Smurf. Smurfy, don't do it. Oh god, please stop. Please stop. Yeah, but back to the original point. This also applies <laughs> to classic literature. One of the main examples of this being TikTok saying that sometimes a wallpaper is just supposed to be yellow. And they are referencing the short story, The Yellow Wallpaper. And for those of you who don't know, it's about a woman who's clearly suffering from some sort of mental illness, who's locked in a room with horrendous yellow wallpaper, driving her insane over the course of multiple days, where she rips the wallpaper off the walls and goes insane. Yeah, the yellow is very symbolic. Let's just, let's get that out of the way first. It's not just... (laughs) It's not just like a choice. The yellow wallpaper means something in that story, and it's very clear what it means when you read it. And I don't understand whose grade twelve, grade like ten English teacher isn't isn't making them read it, just asking what does yellow wallpaper mean? Oh my god! I think that um, yeah, I think the problem with with these kinds of things is that people often want things at surface value and. And when you're not given the obvious connection or the or the written down connection of the yellow is important, you're not able to infer that. And I think that like that goes back to both our education system, social media, a lot of different things. But in essence, we we because because I realize this even with myself that especially maybe not with um media so much but definitely in other situations where I need a right answer because I'm not able to like. Oh, is that maybe right? Is that maybe wrong? Can I give that answer if I'm not 100% confident about it? And I feel like a lot of people are concerned about that, right? Where if you're not 100% sure that what you're saying is right, and you can't be 100% sure unless the author like puts a big red arrow next to yellow being like, that's important. You can't be 100% sure, right? It's just something you're inferring from the text. Um, People are, are either afraid or they don't want to say things like that, right? They don't want to be like, well, it's not important because the author didn't big red arrow neon sign around it. That is true. That is true. But I also feel like something at fault is modern authors. I can't remember where I saw it, but there was this author saying, like this YA author who's talking about like how, oh yeah, what am I supposed to learn from classic literature? That it's okay to pine after your crush for years, referring to The Great Gatsby. And I'm like, did you read the same book that everyone else has read? Because The Great Gatsby is, is literally brought to his downfall his own hubris because he was pining after daisy for years he had this idealized version of her not the real her the real her who was a bitch yeah daisy no i 
Mm-hmm. I don't think she was a bitch. I, I agreed with Daisy. I think everyone in that entire book was a bitch. Everyone in that No! Entire... Who was the friend? What was her name? Julia Jordan? Jordan was a bad Jordan was character. a bitch. No, she was great. I loved her. She was just weird. <laughs> she <laughs> She's like, I'm not like other girls. I play golf. Like, okay. Yeah, it was great. Who, who, like, I mean, the I'm not like other girls trope back then was a great trope. You can't, you can't argue with me. Okay. Yeah. You got to put things in historical context, babe. Not historical. Speaking of historical context, oh, the God. Merchant of Venice. Oh, people God. are calling it out for being anti-Semitic, which it is. It definitely is. But the way it's being read isn't because we want to see Shylock was written as a villain, but I feel like now he's kind of more of the hero of the story. Like he is the hero who was just wronged. I mean, we can totally say that, yeah, it was anti-Semitic, but I don't think that's a reason to not teach it. Like, that's where I disagree. Like, where we say that just because it portrays a certain value or a certain viewpoint that we shouldn't be teaching it to students. I think that's exactly why we should be teaching it to students, right? So that they can learn the different kinds of viewpoints that existed and might still continue to exist and where they're coming from. Because I don't think it's fine to be like, yeah, um, I hate people who are racist, blah, blah, blah. But you have to understand and like you're you're totally fine in that viewpoint, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's also important to understand where that came from, where people are learning it, why they believe that, right? Because you can't you can't formulate an argument without knowing the other side. Okay, now I'm gonna make an argument to annoy you or contra contra you. When have you not? I know, but like the thing is that when Shakespeare wrote *The Merchant of Venice* as a play, it was at a time when Judaism was illegal in the United Kingdom. So Agreed. he probably would have never met a Jewish person. So, Agreed. should we take in his point of view, or should we take in one of a Jewish author of the time, or even a modern Jewish author, and should we look at those accounts of anti-Semitism? Okay, so we're saying that given that we have limited time and limited resources, which should we pick? Okay, fair enough. Yes. Um. Look, I, you're not wrong, right? Like we should, mm-hmm. of course, take in views of people who actually live the experience. It's like saying, should we listen to Anne Frank or some random Nazi that lived at the time? Like, which is the more important viewpoint, right? Both are good. Which is more important? Which should we, which, which should we spend the time educating our kids about? Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer to that question is because I think both are important viewpoints. The viewpoint of a person who simply had those views and maybe had no basis or justification for those views, and a person who was that, you know, that minority and who lived that experience. Both, both are incredibly important in my opinion. I don't put me in charge of making a curriculum because I, I won't be able to choose. I, I will make you read all of them. <laughs> You'll just make them read every book. Yeah. I've also been seeing nothing but English classes for a whole year. Yeah, I've been seeing that a lot with um, people talking about uh, To Kill a Mockingbird and like Mm -hmm. how like, why are we getting this from the point of view of a white woman? And where is this is this white saviorism from Atticus Finch? And I'm like, yeah, I kind of agree. Why don't we get like a black point of view of this black issue of racism in the deep south? Yeah, 100% agree. Mm -hmm. I I think that in the context of the time that we're living in, maybe the viewpoints of the the minorities are more important right now, Mm -hmm. simply because we are very well educated about what the majorities and the the bigots, so to speak, thought at that time, right? We're very well educated on that. We learn about that in history class. Mm -hmm. We learn about that in a lot of different classes, like in the class where we're supposed to be taking in literature. Maybe that's a better viewpoint to take in. So we have a more well-rounded perspective 
of the time of the situation of the people, you know? And I mean, this is of course under the assumption that people aren't going to students, grade 11 students aren't gonna go out and like read and take in accounts of these different authors on their own time. They're not gonna do the research into who those authors are <laughs> or like take the time to read the books, which is fair, neither did I, you know? You consume the media that you are interested in that you are interested in by. You don't necessarily take out the time to go pursuing these viewpoints that don't have any effect <laughs> on your life, fair. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but I think that I, I agree. I, I think that maybe that's the better viewpoint to take in. But I think that the reason for taking out To Kill a Mockingbird was a wrong reason. Oh, yeah, definitely. The way that the reason it was be taken out is because of critical race theory. A lot of white people are against that being taught, so they don't want this book that has like white villains, even though it does have white heroes, it has mm-hmm. white villains. They don't want that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think um, that's that's a big issue with PC culture, in my opinion, where you're so focused on being correct so to speak you don't want to say the wrong thing you don't want to like you just you completely eradicate viewpoints that exist at that time because it's one thing to say that they were wrong it's another thing to not understand the context that they were existing in right Mm -hmm. like yeah obviously we know slavery was wrong but do we know anything about the time when slavery existed the context in which it existed the people Mm -hmm. right like we need to understand those things if we're to move forward and not repeat those mistakes Mm -hmm. also um, I'm going to bring up a different point because I've been thinking about it a lot recently and mm-hmm. this is not even about media issue it's about like authors being who they are and I've been thinking about like how much holocaust fiction there is which really it really annoys me about this point like that there's so many books of like authors who aren't Jewish who aren't Roma mm-hmm. and they are writing these books from the point of view of people who were in concentration camps or were had who do have who were suffering because of the Holocaust. And that's just, I don't know, it's not your story. And I don't understand why we're kind of myth <clears throat> mythologizing this horrendous event that took place. Especially since it was, I don't know, especially since there is the victims who are still alive to tell the stories. And I've read a lot of victim mm-hmm. accounts, and those were much more impactful especially when there's this one account where I read called the last train and it was written by someone whose father was in a concentration camp and it's written from the point of view of her father and that was a very like insightful story it was very interesting when we see like what happened really oh um no I 100% agree with Mm -hmm. that right where I think that if you're going to be writing a story from that, and I think that for everybody, right, every minority, and I know that a lot of people are against that, where it's like, why can't you just write these characters? Like, why, like, writing fiction, you know? That's the argument that's often made, but I think that when you're writing about um, any any minority, like Indians, or or the Chinese, or, or whatever you're, whatever you're wishing to talk about, or the in, indigenous peoples, you need to have, if you are not that of that community yourself, and you wish to write about that, that's totally fine, right, but you need to have a person, or get accounts, or really do your research, especially if you're going to be writing in that person's voice, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's one thing to have them as a background character, like just someone that's there, right, like if you want to have like a gay best friend, that's a really bad trope, please, authors who are listening to this, don't, don't do it unless you're going to do it right. Um, that's one thing. But if you're going to be writing in the viewpoint of a person who's like gay and coming out at that time, you need to be able to understand that voice. And to do that, you need to find that voice. 
and there I, there are plenty of people who want that right who who don't want to write like books of their own but they want to help get that representation out that's there's no like there's no small amount of people who want to do that mm-hmm. yeah i've been recently watching the youtube videos of <clears throat> ziran j zhao which is they are a like chinese author who lives in canada right now and they talk about their videos a lot of like especially when they reference things like they do media reviews of avatar the last airbender kung fu panda things that use east asian or just asian in general uh influences and they talk about like looking at it from a viewpoint where like certain things like avatar they're not going out to represent any particular country they're going to look at things and i found that very interesting in the way that they say that if you're if you're a white person who wants to represent an underrepresented group it's very similar to what you just said uh that you should look towards them that you should do your research that you should if you're having like a writer's room or something like that you should have those people there to tell their stories to tell things that they connect to and like 100 and if it's a story that you can tell with without them being there without um asian people being in that story then it's likely that you're just using orientalism that you're just doing that i feel like yes that Mm -hmm. is that is another big point diversity for the sake of diversity why are we doing it what's the point Yes, it's just it's not necessary, and I hate, like, it's it's a similar. <clears throat> oh my goodness, I'm losing my voice. But it's a similar issue to what I have with diversity hires, so to speak. It's if it is relevant for that person to be in that story, go for it. Great. If it is a place where they can, you know, be in that story and it doesn't raise eyebrows like it's not unnatural for them to be there then yes don't just hire white people if there is a possibility that like a mm-hmm. black person or a chinese person or whatever right like if you're if you're say writing a story about modern america yeah you're gonna need a bunch of different nationalities mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but i think that uh and it's the same thing with diversity hires right because it creates animosity between like the different racial groups right where mm-hmm. you were hired because they needed a brown person in the office not because you were necessarily better than me or more qualified than me hire people because they deserve to be hired put people in stories because they deserve to be there not just because you need the brownie points or because you want the um the oh i'm so diverse points like that kind of situation because that's just not worth it and it creates like tension between the groups in my opinion yeah and if you're gonna write it just make it meaningful and i feel like that's something that made me think of the tiktok discourse about like um the lord of the rings franchises like how they don't need to all be white because it is fiction they don't have to be like all white people they all the elves and dwarves and all the humans and all the orcs don't have to be white they thought, did not they didn't need to like i don't care if it's based off something that was like based off european mythology i don't think what needs to be all white people because europe yeah. is not specifically just white people that's also the issue that people had with ariel right the remake of ariel where she was class where a, a black oops a black person was cast as the as mm-hmm. as, as ariel in that thing and it was like well, there's no reason, like, there was never any lore that made her specifically need to be white, you know? Yeah. It's totally fine. Yeah, I feel like that's the thing, like, it's <clears throat> fiction, it's fantasy, like, if you're going to, if it doesn't matter what their race is, 
then why does it matter if they're white? Like, I feel like recently there's been the Snow White thing. And I feel like Snow White, because of her white skin being a, such a focal point of her character, mm-hmm. I feel like that makes sense for it to be a white or very light-skinned actress or someone who, like, how there's the East Asian beauty standards of historically with white makeup. That would be very insightful if they did that. And there's so many different possibilities. I, but I don't feel like it, it has to be... Uh, I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Um, And I remember when people were making that argument that like, if Ariel can be black, why can't Tiana be white? And I was like, because the whole point of that story was that she was a marginalized black woman in that area. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that was such a big focus of that story that if you take that away, then you're losing something. Because the juxtaposition between her white, rich, best friend and her single mother working hard, you know, she works real hard. She's got two jobs. She's a survivor situation. Um, <laughs> um, it was such a big focal point and it was such a big motivator for her to like work so hard and begin her own restaurant and fulfill that dream of her. It's it's why the friend didn't have that motivation because she never needed to. Like it was, it's such a big central theme and it's like, mm-hmm. you can't be making the same argument for those two movies because Ariel, her story was about finding love. She can find love if she's black or white. Or are you saying black people can't find love? Like, what is the argument that you're making here? Yeah, also, we can look at, like, when Disney was doing the 2020 Mulan, which is a mess, but they were thinking mm-hmm. of casting certain white actors to play, I don't know, merchant roles. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> first of all, the Ballad of Mulan takes place in the fourth century. There was not that silk trade going on where <laughs> there's a lot of white people just happening up in China, especially during a war. I don't think the Silk Road really tried to trade during war times unless there was a really big need for it and I don't know I'm like why it takes place in ancient China in the original ballad which I read recently like yesterday it was like there was no mention of there being traders there was no mention of that and there's then you're going to take some like liberties like what Disney did for all the Milan films but still there's no need to add white people it takes place in China let them be Chinese I think that's honestly that's had there been a white person in that movie, that would have been like lower on my list of complaints for that movie. But you yeah, know what? that would have been the tipping point for everyone just going batshit because that movie had so many problems. I so remember coming away from that movie being like, it wasn't that bad, but it was just like the cinematography of it was so distracting. And this that that was done really well that you were distracted from the actual story and like the the craziness that was that movie. Yeah, I never actually watched it, but I did watch many reactions of it and many because I didn't want to give my money to Disney, nor did I want to sit through Oh, you through think it. I gave my money no, to anybody? I, I know, but <laughs> I know piracy exists, but I didn't want to sit through it and watch it mm-hmm. and pirate it, because that's, I don't want to put that work in, like, xing out all, all the ads just to watch oh, a subpar movie. I need to, I need to hook you up with some better sites. Like, there aren't that many ads in mine. But okay. I know, but when I pirate, I need to be sure I want to watch it. Like, <laughs> I, I guess that's fair. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, oh, um, that makes me think because I was pirating I want I was thinking I might start Steven Universe I pirated the first episode I was like okay this is meh I don't really care um I've been told by a certain someone that it's a very very enjoyable that the emotional beats are very are great so yeah the reason I've started I started because there's all these TikToks complaining about it if you're gonna think about it look up um the character design for concrete uh, potential crystal gem and you'll be very shocked to see what concrete looks like and they were talking about how a lot of like the representation within it is 
very face value. Like the way that the black crystal gems or the black coated people of color coated crystal gems are always a bit more violent. Oh, interesting. I, yes. I've never seen the show. The whole putting gems inside your body thing freaks me out. No, because they're um, born like that. That's their, their no, no. aliens. I get that. It's still not something like I, my body cannot physically handle. Like, watching yeah, that I don't like looking at, at how his belly button has like a diamond in it. That yeah. makes me so uncomfortable. And I'm like, oh, so I just I stayed far away from that show. It makes I, me I think went... of that like, um, which rapper was it? The one who put the little Uzi or something. The one who like put that. the gem Udi. in his head, and I'm like, why? And it got infected, and I'm like, literally it got infected. Oh it my god, infected. I knew it. I knew it. was like it. months oh. after, and it got infected, and he had to remove it. And I'm like, why would you want to do that in the first place? Like, if you're gonna have a big diamond, where is a ring? Where is a pendant? I was where is it having earring? a conversation about this. I was having a conversation about this. Was they were like, it's so cool. And I was like, the ick factor in putting something in your like, I, like, that, like a foreign mm. body, a foreign body inside of your like. It doesn't make sense to me. It's not like a piercing because he literally just put a diamond inside of his forehead. I know. I know. Oh, geez. And, and okay, on a more superficial level, he put like a pink diamond in his head. Now imagine the the absolute nightmare it is to like now match all your outfits to that like pink diamond on your forehead imagine taking a shower oh my god ew i can't even think about that but imagine trying to clean the gem and also no, the, way, stop, stop. the way it was oh put in looks so nasty and i'm like did you talk to a doctor before doing this because like oh why, why, oh, why i can't why, think why, about why? the diamond i can't think about the diamond anymore that was so nasty i can't do this we can't talk oh, about the god. diamond we are in a Bruno situation. <laughs> Not the diamond. Okay. Oh Lord, I. Oh man. Okay. 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 Where were we? What bring... were we talking? What was this episode about? Like media why, literacy. Why are we here? Now to bring it back to actual media, YA, young adult fiction, and why I hate it. Because literally every YA book about gay, like teenagers or gay boys or whatever, it's all written by white straight women. And they're writing about gay teenagers, white gay white teenagers boys who are like, oh my god, my biggest problem is being gay. Uh. <laughs> and like that's what Love Simon's about. And like he's like a rich white boy, and his mom's like a therapist who like is like at the Me Too marches and stuff. I'm like, girl, what are you scared of? Like I understand. Don't say that. I understand <laughs> it's a scary situation, but I'm like, girl. Do not say that. Oh my god. Oh my god, what are you scared of, sir? Okay, um before we uh before we get too deep in that racist thought, um how's that racist? It's a little it's a little racist. What um, white people? White people can have troubles too, you know. I know, but he was a rich upper class white so boy. His who parents could have still been totally homophobic. But he knows that they weren't. <laughs> literally knows that they weren't okay but okay but it's all often very different like people parents are very quick to that's accept true. other kids and like very like that's always a thing right like it's the same thing with with say my parents they're like ooh, we love we love the gays gays are great gays are gays are a-okay right but like if i was like hey mom so i might i might date a girl like i have no idea how she'd react yeah but they prefer that to you dating them oh, God. no i don't know we don't spread racist views on this channel oh my god technically same race just nationalities different oh lord um 
you you heard it here um brown parents are sometimes racist uh, yeah they all are thought. that's the fault of the british which brings back to my last episode point that the british are the cause of every issue especially in south asia because they did the partition without thinking <laughs> i mean yeah they did they um, caused this they caused our issues they caused our trauma I, let's let's quickly move on from there because I feel like Tamara can go about this for a, at least an hour, if not more. So, so we're gonna we're gonna quickly shift gears. Let's go back to the YA situation um, that we were supposed to be on. Um, okay, first and foremost, I remember when that movie was coming out, and one of my friends was telling me that it was one of the best books she had ever read read in her life, and that it was amazing. And, gay representation on peak right and I was like okay great like you are gay so I'm sure you know what you're talking about um it sounds like she didn't according to you who is also gay so maybe not all gay people think the same I didn't hate the movie I just have critiques I didn't hate it I just have critiques um I haven't read the book or seen the movie well no that's not true I saw the movie um but uh clearly it was kind of forgettable um sorry not you calling out Simon um I think that it just didn't make sense to me in the setting that it was, because it's supposed to be in the setting of like right now, sort of in the social right now climate that we're in. And like when he came out as gay, like all of his parents, like all of his friends, like ostracized him for some reason. Yeah, but they didn't ostracize him because he was gay. They ostracized him because he was extorting, he was being extorted, which is a completely different issue. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, in the, in the movie, he was being extorted by the unpopular guy to get cloak simon was like mid popular you know and like he was extorting simon like i know you're gay i'm gonna tell everyone unless you get me to date your friend but the friend didn't know oh, so that was why yeah. they ostracized him because they were right. he was using the friend i'm like these friends are so bad right. they don't understand like the social <laughs> okay as you can tell um this movie was a little bit forgettable for me but um okay <laughs> i think I mean, I think that's great to have that movie out there. I'm sure like some people were really, really big fans of it and that it really helped them. It was them. a good movie. I'm just thinking about how, <clears throat> uh, I just think about how so many gay stories are written by white women. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, is is that worse? Is that is that better or worse than them not being written at all? That's the question. He, I, I think I think he's speechless. Did I did I just crack him speechless? Ooh. Oh, you want to crack things? I'll crack your busted face. Where does that come from? Mm, she wants oh, to fight. There's <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you go from zero to like three million so fast. Oh my god, that makes me think of the Hercules song, Zero to Hero. I've been thinking about how so many Disney songs are so good. Like I've been. Before we did this call, I was just watching the um, Disney like Mulan song where she's getting ready and they're like, we're going to turn your sow's ear into a silk purse. Okay, just called her a sow's ear. It's so rude. No, they called her a sow's ear in midst of the transformation to become a silk purse. They basically called her a silk purse. Come on. Yeah, but at the end, she was not a silk purse. She threw tea she at a matchmaker. Great. She, she looked, looked great. She looked great, but she threw tea at a matchmaker. I, she looked great. She wasn't like other girls. She um, created her own path. She did. Mulan is who I want to be when I grow up. Okay, she had that's... no path, and then she had a path, and then she got like the king's attention. Like that's technically, what I she be. did have a path. 
She had not a, a path. path that she could follow. She wasn't capable of following that path. Yeah, but she tried her best. I, I'm not saying she didn't try. No, but at the beginning capable. of the movie, she was trying her best to like follow her family's instructions to bring honor to them all. Uh, you know what? Get you a dad like Mulan or don't have a dad at all. But, okay. <laughs> Mulan's dad who like forget. Who made her late for the matchmaker appointment, causing all the issues? I don't think he caused the issues. I think that yeah, was the he, cricket. He, the cricket that the grandma yeah, but, gave her caused the issues. Yes, but the grandmother would have never gave the cricket if Mulan was in time for her matchmaker appointment. I think she would have given her the cricket anyway. We've established that they had no faith in Mulan's skills to like win over the matchmaker. That's true. Well before showing up late. Like her showing up late was tip of the iceberg situation compared to what they knew. Honestly, the matchmaker was iconic. Best character. <laughs> she was. She was. Best character next to um the the weird advisor dude. Oh What's yeah. Shinfu or something like that. Something like that. I don't remember. <laughs> I'll have to go consult like the Japanese doll in my house. I'm sure she'll know. There, that was racist. Move on is Chinese. <laughs> no, it's racist. <laughs> oh my god. And you told me to not expose you for being racist. You are just racist. <laughs> Oh my god! I was, I was in my head. I was going to say Chinese doll, but then I was like, "Wait, no, that's not Chinese." But then my mouth was moving faster than I could stop it. China and Japan have a very complicated history. They are not the same nation. I that is not the that. that is the official stance of this podcast. I know that <laughs> we recognize oh the individuality of East Asian nations and other Asian nations. I know that. Oh my god! I'm so sorry. I. I swear in my head it was like Chinese and then it was like, wait, no, that's Japanese. And then it said, I said Japanese, but I meant that I thought that I was going to say Chinese and it was, we're going to move on. Okay, um, let's go. Let's go. Okay, I think to, that's um, going to be the promo of our episode. No, why do I have to be the promo for every episode? Because you're the one who says weird things. <laughs> oh, Lord, okay. I need to... Oh wow! I promise I'm not racist. That I was promise, a lot. That I promise a... I'm not sexist or ageist or anything. Good. That's a bold Please support promise. me. Please support oh. me. Okay. <laughs> oh god! Wow, that was amazing. Okay, no. now I lost my train of thought. I had something I was gonna say. <laughs> Consult the notes, bro. Consult the notes. I am consulting the notes. <laughs> I can't think of anything that I'm gonna say. Okay, well then I can. I want to talk about um, since we like moved on from media literacy like two seconds into this podcast. Let's uh, let's talk about storytelling. Um, okay, so let's talk about how the attention span and the way that media is pre- presented to us has completely changed. Before, like, let's even go back like six, seven years, right? We used to get these twenty-four episode seasons, one week at a time. We used to, you know, consume media at a much slower, much more relaxed rate. Whereas now we have like this binge culture where there's only eight episodes a season. So you're just like watching eight hours of a particular show or whatever at, at an exact moment. And more than that, people are no longer really interested in like drawn out planned, slower plots. They they want fast pace. They want um they want like really just get get in you, get in your face, shock value over purposeful storytelling, over planned story movements. Yeah. And I honestly think that's created um, 
that's actually not been great i don't think that's yeah been it's created like a thing where rather than focusing on things like silent storytelling and visual storytelling and like all these important aspects especially with tv and movies like you can't have just something shown there has to be like some like dramatic like oh your father was a witch or like your mother tried Damn to murder father me Luke. no that was good <laughs> um oh wait no it was luke i am your father oh my I god i've he- never I've never seen Star Wars. That may not You've have never been a reference for Wars. me to pull out. You've never no. seen Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, okay, so in my house, we are Star Trek fans and not Star Wars fans. Star Wars fans. Why can't you do both? Not- I don't know, but like my dad is really, really into Star Trek, so that's like the primarily form mm-hmm. of primary form of sci-fi. Didn't that Martin Martin Luther King liked Star Trek? I didn't know that. That's see, see me and Martin Luther we, King. We have we have all the Mar- Martin Luther at Wittenberg <laughs> Cathedral. <laughs> he would have called we, Martin Luther would have called Star Trek literal heresy. Heresy, witchcraft, oh, witchcraft and wizardry. Okay, see, personally, not a fan of Star Trek, but I can see why it's appealing. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna move on. To also, this. wait, um, I need to say something. Apparently. Okay. The creator of Star Wars revealed that it's not sci-fi. Then what is it? It's space opera. It's a fantastical (laughs) space opera, which honestly I get because the main point of it isn't technology. The main point is the Jedi Order, which is kind of magical in a sense. So I get it being fantasy space opera. Opera. It is a space space, opera. It is a a space opera. I'll give it that. It is a space opera. That's you know what? Like we like we said, if you can make an argument for it, you are right. It is a space opera. I I will see that as a space opera. Oh my goodness gracious me. That Um, makes me want to see like a Star Wars in like a theater, like a musical production, like with them singing in Italian and like it's a very dramatic opera. Oh my God, that'd be so good. No. Oh God. Like Chewbacca is just growling rhythmically in in, like a big woolly costume. Oh my God, that would be so cool. I want to see that. No, we got to get the Bridgerton musical made. We got to get the Ratatouille musical no, made. No, you understand Star this Wars is a musical. This is an opera. I want to see it <laughs> at the, the Duomo, like literally. Oh my God. I want to see this performed by literally every opera company. Um. Okay. Yeah. All mm-hmm. right. Um. Going back to the story that um thing that I was talking about, I think that um there are benefits to this, right? So like now when we have like eight episodes in the twenty four, we are forced to use the checkoff done situation where like we don't have to have all these like fluff pieces. We don't got to have like just random things drawn in for time. We don't have to have all these side plots that nobody really cares about. We're focused on the main story. We're focused on the main plot. We're focused on we have a more focused way of telling the story. But I think that what I've noticed in recent shows is that this idea of just like drawing out your plot a little, making your audience like think for themselves and making them like work for the message is is gone, right? And I mm-hmm. see it, um, uh, like let's go to even, excuse me, I am not surviving. Um, we like because I'm comparing this to The Witcher, right? The Witcher is the most recent show that I think I've consumed that like followed that a little bit, where especially in the first season, they jumped between timelines and didn't tell the audience what was going on. And a lot of people really disliked that. Like my sister, um, friends that I was talking to, they hated that. But I was like, they made us work for what we had. Like they made us actually think about what was going on. They made us like try mm-hmm. to like and and maybe I didn't get it exactly right the timeline, where I didn't get that this is like 90 years in the future versus 30 years in the future versus whatever, right? Or, or sorry, in the past. But 
like that was so fun for me because it took me like I think around two and a half three episodes to figure out exactly what was going on which uh-huh. timeline was first and that was so fun for me um and I don't see that happening in media a lot anymore where you're yeah. like forced to think I feel like uh, yeah no longer audience audiences don't really think about things like they don't have to like think deeply to understand the base level of the story which and like and also I've been thinking about how like characters have like there's less of that creative like oh yeah there's creative there's less creative problem solving with characters Mm. like they're just like going head-on fighting using very obvious answers and that's separate to this but I really want to see some like creative problem solving again they watch watch the witcher Mm, witchy okay one thing that i really want to you would you would head over heels fall in love with henry cavill like i know i already am i already know this um but the thing uh the thing i want to talk about before we finish soon is the cinema sins effect which i have fallen victim to Mm-hmm, uh-huh. mm-hmm. the cinema sense effect you're literally anything that isn't explained immediately anything that isn't shown immediately anything that isn't in the in there immediately becomes a sin and I understand cinema sense does it for comedy but other people they take it as face value and they're like oh my god this movie's so bad they didn't explain everything and I'm like they don't have to they can use silent storytelling they can use visual storytelling they can use all these things that people don't pick up on and I think it, it enriches the story when you have to do that. It enriches the experience like for you. I like it. It makes me think of it. it makes me work hard. It's, it's yeah, it's, especially when you have to like work for like a suspense thing, like you, you have to work to try to figure out what the plot twist might be rather than it just like mm-hmm. Riverdaling you in the face, you know? Um, <laughs> oh my God, it, it Riverdale. Just, it just, it makes it so much, like when you can see it coming, even like that's, that is my one of my biggest issues with Game of Thrones because it is such a clear shift. You have like that purposeful, that planned storytelling where you could even maybe try and see it coming or like or something like that. And then you skip to like season eight where people are just getting murdered for the second Yeah, of I feel like that's the thing with most like storylines. Um, the people right now, they don't like they the writers room right now they don't see people inferring things and they don't see it as respect which it is it is respect from the fans like trying to see what's happening next they're in love with something so much that they will go back watch it eight times and like infer based off that and I feel like we saw it with like the Marvel films which are very convoluted at this point, but there's the Russo brothers. Apparently they changed something because all the fans predicted it. But I'm like, it wasn't like those people worked hard to predict it. It wasn't like, it's just because people can predict it doesn't mean it's obvious. It doesn't mean it's bad storytelling. Being able to leave these notes in in your- I know being able to leave these things like foreshadowing and people being able to understand it means that you have succeeded as a writer, that you are able to do it. 100% 100% it means you've laid the groundwork it means you've done the work needed beforehand for this to be a movement that makes sense in your story for the plot twist to mean something right and I think that that's where like they're they're so into the shock value and we're so and and it's and it's on us as an audience as well for being so like where where we're like where we're so appreciative of shock value even if it holds no meaning that like creators have taken that as a sign where they're like okay we need to give them shock value let's let's not put effort into the story let's not plan the story in advance and then we get things like Riverdale and Emily in Paris and Bridgerton where like we're just getting things for the sake of getting them and it doesn't make any sense whatsoever and plot lines are abandoned and plot lines are thrown away and mm-hmm. we're just expected to sit here and be like wow beautiful show like really 
Yeah, I also want to talk about how people confuse like good cinematography for good writing. I'm looking at you, Sam mm-hmm. Levinson, Euphoria. It's beautifully directed and beautifully oh. done, but like, and the acting is great, but the writing, I'm like, girl, what is the story? What is happening yeah. here? What is this? It's, oh, and then that, that takes me to, why are we putting teenagers in situations that are not appropriate for teenagers in media? Literally, like, why is there such an obsession with this youth? Like, if, if Euphoria had been aged up to, say, college or even, like, early 20s, I would be totally fine with that, right? It would, the story would make more sense. The, the way that parents aren't involved in their lives, the way that um, they're just acquiring drugs, like, they're candy, the way that, like, and even, like, the way that they're funding the drugs would make more sense. But, like, they're high school students. This girl has overdosed, and her mom, like, she, she, she just walks out the house. Her mom's like, hey, babe, where you been? Like, really? Yeah, like, this is not the time for laissez-faire parenting. This is a time for, like, Iron Hammer. Like, get, you're, you're coming home. I'm going to oh, drop man. you off at school, watch you go and sit in your class. I'm going to do everything. Freaking hell. Yeah. Like, this is not the time miss mom to just be sitting around <sighs> and, and can we can we like address the fact that rue got clean for a friend over getting clean for her sister or her mother or, or anybody else in her life like this person that she just met like not to diminish her relationship with jules but this person you just met your mother who raised you who raised the sister you from- who found you overdosed on the floor literally like what do you not care about them like what is this i understand that they're trying to show that jules's relationship is important but what about what does that say about the mother what does that say about the sister it kind of makes their relationship seem less important which and it makes rue seem like she doesn't care about them like we're told on one hand where like she and her sister are super close and blah 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 and then on the other hand she goes and like threatens to kill herself not threatens but like or not attempt but but she almost does no i don't think attempt does because she wasn't doing it she she almost kills herself yes and it's like what 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 are we because i was honestly we were watching the first couple episodes together i was like what am i watching here like what is what am i supposed to take from this story this is marketed towards the ages of like what 12 14 to 18 i don't i think it's rated r actually i think it's rated r so but why would why would i as like an 18 year old like want to watch 16 year olds in that situation literally like they should have made it like a community college like all these students failed out because obviously they don't do work so they're all just at community college oh my god it would have been great if they tried to do it like community you haven't watched community but it's so good Mm-mm. i don't know i think that it didn't deserve the accolades that it got and it didn't it just it doesn't make sense to me because you have to be as a creator and i know that yes you have free reign to create what you want creative freedom is is very important but you also have to be sensitive to what you're doing and like purposeful with the ages of the characters that you're putting in them and like yeah we get it you have a fascination with 16 year olds who are played by 25 year olds being naked all the time like that's great for you but like what are you doing to your audience yeah literally why is there so many prosthetic penises who's which costumer is like they're just an artisan making these handmade prosthetics we don't need dildos. There's not a market for that anymore. There is, however, a market for acting. Literally, the actors are pretty good. They are. 
all of them are pretty good and I'm like they deserve better than this yeah I think my favorite like in the three episodes that I watched my favorite performance was maybe from like the kissing booth dude like I think he did a really good job yeah I see that and also see Zendaya did a pretty good job at like portraying Rue as like freaking batshit like not batshit in the traditional sense but she is like oh my god Remember those like monologues in the like that monologue in that first episode where like she was talking about like her memories from the womb and like all that kind of. Do you remember that? And we were watching it and the and I, I, I'm I, like, I if you remember, remember the womb, why don't you love your mother? Like she was suffering for <laughs> nine months with you inside of her, and you don't love her. That's the promo. That's the promo. <laughs> Literally. If you remember the womb, why don't you love your mom? Why don't you try to make your mother proud? Why don't you turn your sow's ear into a silk purse? That's a callback for the girls. Oh, man. Okay. And I think that... I I get that they were trying to do social commentary with, like, like that 10-year-old kid being a drug dealer, but that was just so weird to me. Yeah, that just... Does he not have school? Does the government not want him to be at school? what is going on here like why why is a 10 year old the drug dealer and if it's so easy for a person to be a drug dealer then why aren't more people drug dealers like why is there only one in this town yeah literally like what's happening there should be a market for drug what's the drug economy i know what i'm talking about what's the drug economy (laughs) like if it's such an easy supply chain then there should be more people involved in this Literally, if the child, I get it, he's a smart kid, but I'm like, if he's a smart kid, he should be putting that to like doing something else, like well, lifting up he... his community. Yeah. One would, one would think. <laughs> Literally. Okay. Oh we my God. have uh, not talked about anything that we meant to talk about in the. Well, no, we we, we talked, talked about, about like, things. 20% of what we meant to talk about, like in our notes, like we've covered like 20%, I think. Yeah. No more okay whatever um but i think that it has come to a time to end this maybe yeah uh-huh. i mean um, do you have anything more to add like any insights any any thoughts no i'm i'm blood dry he's blood dry with all his thoughts um mm-hmm. i'm glad that's been done because otherwise i have to be bombarded with them all the time no i'm kidding love you <laughs> he's speechless i actually did it i did it great um, okay well i'm back um <laughs> So I guess that's all, folks. See you next week. Bye. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe. Uh-huh. And um, please follow our Instagram. We need all the likes and follows that we can get. It's the yeah. same thing. Au revoir. Oh, Let me moderate that, that cock